This is Coffee at KYUK. Conversation between friends and neighbors. Come in and have a cup. Joining us for coffee this morning is Phyllis Stabenow, a physical oceanographer at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Pacific Marine Environmental Laboratory in Seattle. She attended the Alaska Marine Science Symposium earlier this month in Anchorage. Speaking with her is KYUK's Johanna Urich. Phyllis, you've been looking at the whole system overall. What do you see? I'm seeing change. The Bering Sea has always had a lot of variability in it, um, but now we're seeing that variability is becoming much, much greater. For instance, 2012 was the highest ice extent in um, since mid-70s, which is when the satellite era began. Five years later, uh, sorry, six years later, 2018 had virtually no ice. It was the lowest ice extent ever seen, and this is something we did not expect to see for another 15, 20 years. And that extremes of 12 and uh, 2012 and six years later 2018 is kind of a character the uh, the Bering Sea you're getting these really high extremes of variability on the other hand is you are having a shorter ice season that's becoming a reality and so that means there's huge implications for communities for say um, the ice often would protect the coastline and as you have a shorter ice period you're not protecting the coastline in the shoulder seasons in you know October November December you know because ice just is showing up later and later and in the spring and that's when you have a lot of storms the fall period and this and and so the balance before is there is a lot of protection and now that protection and storms are becoming earlier um, because of the heat in the ocean that you can have these big, strong storms. Um, one we saw just this year um, that caused immense amount of damage along the coast. Um, and that type of storm could become more common simply because of the heat in the Gulf of Alaska uh, and in the Pacific further south. Typhoon Murbuck was something I never thought I would see in Alaska. I mean, typhoons, I think of as tropical things. Well, they form in the tropics or form further south, and what you need is heat. It's just the same way as a hurricane. The warmer the water is, in just as a generality, the stronger the hurricanes, because they have energy. You have to have energy to make, you know, hurricanes in these things. And if you have warm water, warmer water, there's more energy available. Is it always going to happen? No, but you know that is a possibility. And um, yeah, I when I saw the predictions of how bad Murbach was going to be, I was thinking, really? Could it be that bad? And it was. I was wrong. I. I, I just thought it was such an extreme storm that um, I, yeah, I was thinking maybe they're overplaying it, but they weren't. And you know, you live and learn, uh, you know, as you work there. But anyway, it's the extremes we're now seeing. The Southern Bering Sea used to be an Arctic system, 
it is turning in if it hasn't already turned in to a subarctic system. Yeah, the talk here about uh, snow crab uh, disappearing from there. Um, we don't have ice, extensive ice there anymore. Bottom temperatures, the cold pool does not exist as far south as it used to be. And those are all changes that are going to change the ecosystem itself and you know, food, etc., etc. And um, it's depressing to see these changes. The flip side, as a scientist, the science is fascinating. So you, you have your human side and you're kind of looking at the data side. And the human side is, this is not good. Um, the other side is the predictions we made 20 years ago are coming true. And, um, and some of them, yeah, there's nuances and things that we're just wrong about, which is, as a scientist, is great to know. But the overall prediction that ice would be reduced, that you, know, you could have stronger storms, all of this, um, the variability, the extreme variability, it's not a smooth loss. It has huge, and I think 2012, the ice extent then and the ice extent in 2018 are a real sign that you can go from immense ice to no ice or very little ice. And um, 2018 is going to happen again and again. The uh, atmospheric patterns that supported that are predicted to become more common as we go. So you'll have these spotted years every so often that you have very little ice. And that has huge implications for everybody, for the ecosystem, which includes the people who live there. I remember when it was finally decided or revealed that um, the kind of long-term ice up in the North Pole had gone yeah. that that shook me in a very deep mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. and now we're seeing the result of that mm, yeah I'm not really I don't really know that much about the deep ice in the North Pole my yeah. my focus well, the, the multi-year ice yeah. now well, multi-year ice is disappearing we've seen that um, you know we're now seeing uh, first-year ice more often, and multi-year ice was thick, hard, you know, it didn't have a lot of salt left in it and everything, and um, it, it covered the system. So deep ice doesn't, it, it's slower to uh, melt, etc. so it kind of evens out the edges a little bit. You know, first-year ice, we saw it, I believe it was this year, how rapidly the ice disappeared um, in the northern bearing. You know, there wasn't much ice last December, a uh, previous December, December of uh, 21. Um, and um, up until December, got some ice, and then it disappeared because the winds changed. It was thin ice. And so it's, it's not as, as, as evening out of the rapid changes we're seeing, even on short time scales. So the system is changing, and we are 
you know, wishing isn't going to make it not happen. So we have to figure out how to adapt and, you know, adjust to these changes and to be able to figure out what are the big changes we're going to see. And so we're already seeing it in the Yukon Cusquim Delta. We've mm -hmm. had three years of, of certain species of salmon not being there. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, there's other species, you know, um, halibut, you know, the timing of them, when do they arrive? They're related to temperature. So um, halibut like kind of warmer temperatures, so they don't go in there until the temperatures get above. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, uh, other species are there earlier, and so all of that, the thing is changing. Some of it is subtle, some of it is more shocking. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a change. There's a project where we're looking at the how temperatures are, gonna, are changing in Kuskokwim, in the area, that Kuskokwim area. And, um, yeah, there's pop-up buoys, which are just measurements of temperature on the bottom, and how does that change, and when does it change. So we'll have a whole series of three moorings there and about 10 or 12 pop-up buoys. So we're trying to map the changes that we're seeing there. Yeah, how does the bottom temperature change? That's really important for a number of species. And um, so that we deployed things last year. Um, last uh, August, September, and uh, we should begin to get the data back in June and July to see what that, we'll do it for two years to see, well, what are the patterns of warming or bottom temperatures there? And I think that could be, provide a lot of insight into uh, timing of, of temperatures, of increasing temperature, which is going to have an influence on when species come in. Because some species, subarctic species, halibut, like warmer temperatures. They're not too fond of this real cold <laughs> stuff. And so those are, are some of the things we're kind of looking at now and trying to do a map of this area um, that we're just beginning, really. You're going to be mapping on the run because it looks like the changes are going to keep getting faster and faster. Yeah, that's, that's, y you need to form the basis. What is, what is, what was normal? And um, that problem is we really need to go back to the late 90s, but we don't have a time machine, unfortunately. <laughs> And so we'll have to do a lot of interpolation and of what things were, but we are going to look at this most rapidly changing thing. I hope with this two-year study, we may identify certain points where we need to continue to measure for the next 10 years and see how those changes are. And, um, yeah, and hopefully that will uh, give us a lot more information. So. Well, thank you, Phyllis. Uh -huh. Thanks so much for talking yeah. to us. That was KYUK's Johanna Yurick speaking with Phyllis Sabineau with NOAA's Pacific Marine Environmental Laboratory. This is Coffee at KYUK.